Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. My name is Sylvan, and I will be your host. Today, we are back in the beautiful capital Bern and talk to the professional board member Katja Berlinger about the right setup of a board. In today's episode, you will learn the common mistakes of board members and how to avoid them, the right number of directors and their background, and also how a successful board works together and makes decisions. Before we get started with the episode, I would like to introduce you to SBB Startup. If you think that your company is a good fit for the Swiss Railways, get in touch with them or learn more about their startup programs at sbbstartup.com. Katja, welcome back to the Swisspreneur Show. Glad to have you here again. Very glad to be here again. Today we talk about how to build a strong board of directors. And I would like to start with the first question. What do Swiss startups often get wrong with the setup of their board of directors? Well, it's a very general question, but I think, uh, and I did this as well in the past, I think it's really worth spending a lot of thought about the ideal composition of your board. Because I think what happens many times is that just coincidental compositions of boards happen because somebody invested and says he or she has time or... Um, if the company is a bit in a later stage, all of your investors want to be represented on the board. And since maybe you have four funds, then you have already four finance guys and nobody that really understands the business. And I think uh, obviously there is a legitimate um, uh, ownership to people that have invested to be on boards. Mm-hmm. But you should always also think about the real needs that you need in this board and uh, these are two different things and sometimes you maybe have to have someone in a board because this person owns it or owns big mm-hmm. parts of it but then um, you just have to complement this person and I think what is never good if you have too many uh, likely minded people because I also believe very strongly in diversity in boards and uh, it's a very important point for me not just female diversity i think it's very important to have diversity in age diversity in skills diversity in backgrounds and um, obviously gender is also held but in the end it's always better to have skills than just the right gender but um yeah and and having having a structured process about who would fit and then in the end also do the people uh, can they work together? Can they build a team? Because mm-hmm. in the end, uh, if you like people you work with, it's much easier to come to good conclusions than if you're in an environment where you don't feel uh, easy. Let's also talk about the ideal number of people. So I think like two small but also two big boards are probably not ideal. Is there any certain amount of people that make the right board? I fully agree that too big is not functional. Uh, I had personally very good experience uh, experiences with quite small boards, so very functional four people boards, uh, 
which uh, had all the right skills, but were very easy to bring together if there had been an extraordinary thing to be discussed. And specifically for younger companies, um, if you manage to get all the necessary skills in uh, not too many people, then I think uh, it's easier. So four would be a good number to tackle in that regard. I, I don't think you can just put the right number because it really depends on the circumstances. Mm -hmm. But I think if you have too many people and uh, I also believe you should only go uh, in an early stage for people who have time. I have been in boards where people really didn't read the materials, almost fell asleep. And I mean, yeah, maybe you have a very big name, but this big name doesn't care for what you do, then yeah. it doesn't make sense. Doesn't really help your business. <laughs> no. How, how would you then deal with people that might, might be, maybe say like, yeah, they have time, but then when you actually start working with them, you realize that they actually don't have time. How do you deal with that once you already have them on the board? It depends on the role you have. I mean, if you really have a, a powerful role, then obviously you have to kick them out. <laughs> If you're new in a very political board and it can become very difficult and if you're lucky, you can just ignore because they don't hurt if they don't do anything. <laughs> but if it's then more, then I think then you have to adequate to, to find the adequate way to address it with powerful people who then take care. Right. You also mentioned the different skill sets or backgrounds. So what should you look for in your, in your board to have? I think there are general roles that have to be covered, like uh, to make sure that somebody understands the legal and the financial mm -hmm. um, backgrounds. Obviously, this is a must. Then obviously you need an industry expert and um, depending on, on what you do, ideally you have somebody who, who has been on a journey before with whatever you plan so you can get experience. <laughs> But also there, I think sometimes I also have been on boards where I hadn't been um, extremely experienced in the in in the industry. I think sometimes it's very good to have an outsider. Mm -hmm. Then it just has to be someone that has a very clear role. So for for example, to say either I'm somebody or for for myself, it was I was good in. Um, building up companies or like reinvent them, like if they were more mature, because sometimes or even now I see this is the big problem of many, many mature companies, that they are successful, that they found their processes, but they lost a bit the agility and the ways to really um, get ready for the future. Mm -hmm. And they are all very stressed about digitalization and they believe they need these huge processes, but in the end, it's also a lot is about people, a lot is about culture, a lot, a lot is about how you tackle change. And uh, in my case, I think this is something I can really bring also to a board. And I mentioned this for me now, I think it's important that you know what the people in your board bring to the table. And again, not just a name, it should be right. a skill. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, then... It has to fit, obviously, the needs of each company. Absolutely. Then also from a startup perspective, you often also have the discussion whether you should have the founders on the board. What do you think about that? I, I said in the first episode, I think as, as soon as the founders have a majority or maybe even like above 30%, mm -hmm. and if they really have big skin in the game, 
it, it's a different story and I think they must also be pre represented on the board. I think if they, are, uh, if they have less um, parts, then obviously from a controlling perspective, if they're operational, it's nowadays the good corporate governance setup that they are not on the board. Right. But as I said before, I come from a background of family firms. And if you own a company, then I think actually it's like the 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 voltaire dictator, the um, like somebody with a lot of power who uses this power not for only himself but mm -hmm. for the bigger good for everyone right. can be very very strong and powerful leader. And um, in family firms, sometimes this works really well because. It, it's their money and their future along, so they have a big interest to make sure all the stakeholders also are well. So, and, and I'm a bit scared sometimes today the corporate governance discussion uh, goes a bit through the roof because it's, uh, it, it originates in the princip principal agent uh, theory and it's very important in, in companies where the shareholders and, and the owners have little or no power anymore and there obviously it's an extreme must that you have a, a, a division between board and operational Absolutely. lead but if ownership is the same and if uh, the company is doing really well I think um, we should be free enough to to look also at this from a bit uh, different perspective mm -hmm. and therefore also there is not a clear yes or no <laughs> founders or not um, but I still think it, like the difficult uh, task with founders is that if companies grow very fast, there may be the moment where founders are not the right executives anymore. Yeah. And if they are on the board and then also operationally working, and if you have to have these discussions, it sometimes doesn't help. And I think in any case, these decision-taking um, organizations, they have to make sure that they can freely speak. And that they can trust everyone they speak about because it's their duty to also tell a founder that he should not be a CEO anymore when it's the best thing for the company. Yeah. Is there any good tip or recommendation from your side how to create this good environment that they actually also get this honest and open feedback? Obviously, it's trust. I think uh, it's like everywhere. Uh, boards are teams, and uh, if you enable an environment where you foster a good atmosphere, mm -hmm. and if you if you sometimes address openly that there are things that you would like to discuss um, without somebody here, just because you believe it's important. I think it's different than if you just start uh, doing hidden phone conferences or whatever. I think also there it's you have structured processes which specifically foresee that there is like 10 minutes in front of each board meeting without the CEO. So the board has the opportunity to discuss certain issues. Then it's not a big deal and it's not making the CEO feeling weird when, uh, when it's just done <laughs> once in a while and then he believes in the beginning of the meeting, what do they talk about or whatever. So I think it's also about good processes and good mm -hmm. standards and then things become more easy. Yeah, that makes sense. Another delicate question that often arises is how do you actually pay your board as a startup? Many startups don't pay or sort of compensate through equity. Mm -hmm. What is your take on this? How do you best compensate your board? I think it's important that you find a mechanism that also um, 
I think one part of the compensation should compensate for risk you overtake by just joining a board. Mm -hmm. That doesn't need to be a big amount of money, but I think it is a risk and a lot of people don't realize <laughs> that it's not just about the number of board mandates, but right. actually with every board mandate comes a huge responsibility. Maybe you can also quickly explain that because I think not all people are aware of the risk that you actually are involved with as a board member. Well, the risks uh, can become very high, uh, specifically if you're involved, uh, as I say, um, if people cheat. I mean, obviously you try your best to do good corporate governance and processes, so, but if people really have um, a bad agenda, mm -hmm. normal people don't believe that people would have that. So if you're lied upon or whatever, then things can happen that you don't realize. But sometimes also just businesses go bad. And as a board member, you're basically the main, uh, main responsible person if things go wrong. Obviously, you can delegate certain but not all tasks. Uh, there, Swiss law is very specific. You cannot delegate everything. So you have to still have a certain overview. And there are certain also financial uh, <laughs> book entries or so, which I recommend every board member to look at because there are also certain legal areas where you can personally be liable. And a lot of people don't know about this. And um, it, I think in the last years, it has become a bit hip to be on boards. And a lot of people believe you make a lot of money and just don't have a lot of work. But I think the risk associated with it is underestimated. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not saying I think it's a wonderful job because you have um, you if you have the right teams you can you can influence also a lot but I think you should also be very humble and, and aware of also the duties and that's why I think not paying at all is uh, well maybe that's an option if you own a lot of the company then right. it may be a different story but even then I think it's more hygienic if you just uh, pay a little bit because if you don't pay it's not worth and you don't understand that it's also serious. I know this is incredibly difficult but what means a little bit in terms of numbers? I think it can also be five thousand. Honestly Swiss uh, even bigger uh, companies like the KMOs mm -hmm. I think that the typical board mandate pays maybe between five and fifteen thousand Swiss francs a year. And associated with this, if it's only for meetings, then it's a very good payment. Sure. But if it's a big crisis and you start working every week, uh, several days or whatever, then maybe, I mean, it's still a lot of money. But I think that's why I always, in, in, in my cases, I think there should be a fixed compensation, be it in shares mm -hmm. or in a fixed salary for this risk and for just going there. And then there can be variable components that... Uh, variable also with the amount of time you dedicate. I think this is the most fair solution because you never know what happens. And I think if you really go into crisis and if it's necessary that you work a lot, then it should also be more compensated than if you just have regular meetings uh, four times a year. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And where do, do you actually find the right board members, especially as a startup? Um, what would you recommend a startup where they can find their board members? Well, I think it's very important that the, the ideal case, uh, at least in my life, has been that there was a past experience of working with someone mm -hmm. because then you know what you get. And uh, as I say, I think the names and positions are overrated. I think 
the interaction and the possibility, specifically in an early stage, to reach out to a board member in an uncomplicated way is much more valuable. And sometimes I also think I would rather take a young, ambitioned a person that really wants to be on a board than somebody who has 50 board mandates and thinks, oh my God, I can't handle it all. You don't want to yeah. be the unimportant one, specifically because the responsibility is high. Mm -hmm. And um, that's why, I mean, I got all my own board mandates or the people I asked to be on boards because I used to work with them. Mm -hmm. And then I knew they have this skill I'm looking for because sometimes it's not so easily to to tell from a CV what it is. Yeah. Obviously, these whole business angel clubs, if you can get smart investors which have experience in a field of building or scaling up companies mm -hmm. and at the same time put skin in the game, I mean, this is ideal. Uh, but I also there, I would not just go for big names. I would always, I would be a bit picky and... Uh, Try to make sure that you like these people. I think the general advice, if you can work with people you come along with well, mm -hmm. it just, first of all, then uh, it's not a waste of your time. You like to go to the meetings. Uh, right. Yeah, it's just easy. I think it's for everything in life. <laughs> Try but to be still, surrounded by good people. <laughs> sure, but still make sure that they have the, the diverse backgrounds, right? That they bring that to the table. Exactly, yeah. Uh, one other question is in terms of, you know, once the companies grow, how does the, the role of, of the people or the size, etc. also shift over time? I think the bigger the companies get, the more professional the board must become and the less operational it's allowed to be. Okay. I think in smaller environments, it's very common that... Um, Operational and strategic questions are more a bit uh, gradually <laughs> discussed in the board or in the management. And I also think interactions are less structured and they mm -hmm. are just more um, opportunity-driven when it's needed. Right. And um, I think if you have big companies, it's very important that you understand your role as a board member and that you mm -hmm. don't drive management crazy because you start doing their jobs. Yes. And, and also in smaller environments, I think if your skills really are not in the company and if the company asks you as a board member whether you would like to overtake certain things, I think it's very important to get a very clear idea about what is this task? Is it paid or is it not paid? How long should it be? And yeah, should it just be an interim solution or whatever? Because I think it, it's still, it, there should be a division between board and management and, and the roles should be, should be well perceived. So now let's assume you set up your board successfully, you found the right people with the right background. Now you basically have the board set up and you start working together. First question is, why is the board of directors actually crucial for your business success and what do they actually do? It's like the very generalistic question. Well, the board has, even by law, has, has to make the overall strategy of the company and has the overall responsibility that it all works fine. So it's the most, basically, it's, I mean, you can have a company without the management, but you never can have in Switzerland at least one without the board. So it's an important role. And I think um, as an entrepreneur, you, it's, in the ideal case, you also appreciate your board as a challenge and somebody who brings you further. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be. I think the, the biggest risk for a company is if management perceives sport as a un, as a bad controlling organ. Mm-hmm. And management can hide things if they want. And if it's just like a tick the box thing and you're just showing a nice world, being happy that it's over and then you go back and believe, I don't, I'm glad I don't have to see these people anymore. Right. Then I think you don't make good use of your and these other people's time. Mm-hmm. And I think a board is an extremely good mechanism to be challenged and to get new insights and, and to continuously improve yourself. And yeah. um, that's how it should be. Obviously, it's not always with every person <laughs> in the same yeah. easy way. But, but um, yeah, I think it should be in the genuine interest also of the management to really perceive the board as this. You also talked about the two levels, the operational level, more left to the management and the strategic level, more left to the board. Can you give us like examples how to really clearly differentiate these two levels and also explain when it makes sense for the board to be involved in operational uh, tasks and when absolutely not? Speaking for bigger companies, I think the only operational thing the board should do is leading the CEO of the company or depending on the governance structure of the company, leading the whole management. Choosing it, making sure it's the right people and also motivating them. Mm -hmm. And uh, in big structures otherwise, then you should... um, you should more or less do, let the operational stuff be prepared by the management and really just supervise. In smaller companies, as I say, it can become more mixed, specifically also if the board members are also shareholders sure. and then maybe they do represent if they start helping gaining sales or new clients or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is then purely operational. I think then it's just important that it's understood that both parties really believe that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, yeah, then it's about communication and setting it up correctly. Yeah. And if there's a crisis that hits you, like the fraud case that you mentioned, is the board then also getting more active on an operational level? You have to, because then you have to also dig. I mean, then you have, if you have evidence that not everything has been by the book, mm-hmm. it becomes your your obligation to make sure it goes back to the normal stage or you find out you have to organize uh, most of the time an investigation to make sure things go and and that you live up to your responsibility. And the next part is how do you actually collaborate with the board? Like how often should a board meet? What is the best practice there? All the questions you ask are not with a clear uh, answer. I think in smaller companies that run well, and have no crisis and no big changes coming up. I think uh, one board meeting a quarter is the minimum Mm -hmm. so that you stay a bit uh, tuned and know what's going on. Uh, Here at Insel, we have a board meeting every month and I think it's also a very big uh, organization. And uh, yeah, but I think one a month for a real only strategic board is probably I think it shouldn't be more. So I think the bandwidth is between once a quarter and once a month, depending on the needs of the company and, and size of the organization. And obviously, if crisis occurs, then yeah, yeah it Different can become games. a very regular yeah. <laughs> work. Absolutely. <laughs> and how should the board actually communicate and also collaborate in between the meetings? Is there any communication? How do you work with each other 
besides the board meeting, if at all? Also depends completely on the, on the situation of the company. I think if it's... Um, I'm not a big fan of just all these side discussions and everything is already decided when then the people come. I think, uh, I mean, yes, it's a way to use control. But I think mm -hmm. if you want to have use of the board you put together, then it's better if somehow you manage to bring all the people in on one page. But... Um, I think if you have people that have specific skills and then in the company there is some demand, I think it's just important that sometimes there can also be interaction with the CEO. I don't think there is a clear rule. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and yes, I think it's it's not a failure if two board members discuss something they felt not 100% well covered in a board meeting that they take some time to reflect. Sure. Because then I think it's a, it's a sign that they do a diligent job, what they do about it afterwards, I think, has to be well reflected yeah. and to make to be made sure that then the whole board um, has can be on the same level again. Makes sense. Yeah. And how do you actually go about making decisions? Obviously, you can vote on things. Um, I, I can imagine that they can also be like pat situations where you don't really find a conclusion. I've never. Uh, I. I think I had one board decision which was not unanimous. And I oh. think good boards actually discuss so long mm -hmm. <laughs> so that the decisions afterwards are not really um, difficult. Okay. So I think if you fear uh, decisions that are in pat, I think then um, you need to spend more time on the discussions. Right. And I actually only perceived it like this so far. That speaks for very good boards that you're part of. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that the boards I'm in uh, are very good, but um, I mean, you can also always be better, but uh, yeah. Um, also, one part is you served on many boards already and still do. Like, are there any common best practices that you can share, you know, that you basically learned during your career as a professional board member? that were not obvious or that you would have not expected uh, during that time? For a person like myself that likes to speak a lot, I think when you start definitely in the first meeting, sometimes it's probably good to first adapt a bit and understand a right. bit the, the rules. And, and I sometimes also think it's good to be a bit aware of the speaking time you need. Or I reflect a lot on which points I would really like to make. Mm -hmm. I usually have many points, but then I also have to wait a bit and see which ones are really my most important ones. I think right. this is also a bit, because in a board it's not about just speaking because you have something to say, but mm -hmm. you should also, yeah, I don't know, try to make the best out of the time of everyone. Yeah, um, yeah. And otherwise I think it's about respect. Mm -hmm. It's respect uh, also and preparation. Okay, preparation is also part of respect yeah. because for the people that really present something that mm -hmm. you're there and present. And how, how do you prepare for a board meeting? It's a lot of reading. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes if you read about things, you don't really 100% uh, specialist. Sometimes it's also um, Google using the internet to, to make sure you understand what it's all about. I think... Right. You don't always have to understand 100% of everything, but I would recommend to go out of a board if you have half of the time the feeling that you have to decide 
on things that you have no clue about, then I think the responsibility and risk <laughs> to do something wrong um, is not worth the money you're paying. Does it also occur that you come in with a, an opinion, you know, because of your preparation, then you discuss with the board and then you completely change? Yeah, I, that's why I said I, I do like a triage. Mm. I think I have, I have, I'm a person, I have very fast an opinion on everything. But I think there are issues that are not in my absolute core competency and that I don't that I can listen to without this very strong feeling in my belly. And then I also sometimes think, come on, it, it should be fine and it's not right. so important. But there are other issues where I really believe um, if I don't say something now, yeah. I feel really bad and I also feel like um, that I would a bit abuse my responsibility. Mm -hmm. By not speaking up and there I have a very strong feeling and then I also um, then I can't be quiet and yeah. there and I don't say you can't change your mind then but I also think it's worth fighting then a bit mm. and good boards should also allow that and I don't think you have to be 100% of the same opinion mm -hmm. but I think you should be able to say I don't um, Maybe I'm not, I was, I would have voted differently before the meeting, but after a very good discussion, I can live even without the specific mention in the meeting minutes that I'm completely right. against. Yeah. And I mean that you should also do if you're completely against, because it's the only thing you have in the past, uh, in the future, if it really goes wrong, sure. <laughs> is uh, your disconsent uh, in writing. Yeah. So to summarize this episode, I prepared a special rapid fire questions for you. So I will give you six choices, mm -hmm. always two choices to uh, choose from. And then you basically make one choice and quickly explain why you made that choice. All right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So financial wealth or health? Health. Why? Obviously. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's the only thing you can't buy. And um, yeah. It is not very good if you have uh, billions and uh, you're about to die. So, I think it's also very clear from the values that you shared yes. with us that this is uh, <laughs> a clear choice. Women quotas, yes or no? No. Why is that? <laughs> um, yeah, it would be a yes, no, maybe. I'm. I used to be very strong against quotas because mm -hmm. I hated to be considered to be somewhere just because I'm a woman. And I think it's a very big uh, disappreciation of women that do good jobs when they just believe to be there because they are on, from the right gender. Absolutely. But uh, going back to the things we discussed in episode one, <laughs> maybe I also understand that our society maybe needs some, some pressure. Mm -hmm. And then I think we will see some quotas. So. Okay. So we, are, we stay tuned for the development there. Yes, we'll see. Motivation or discipline? Motivation. I think that also makes sense yeah. <laughs> of your first story. Learning or doing? Doing. <laughs> doing. That's the entrepreneurial DNA, yes. I guess. <laughs> Strategy or execution? Execution. Why? Yeah, I'm well. Obviously, I like to do strategy, but um, I'm a very operational person and I like uh, doing these little, I mean, I like being strategic in a board, but for example, in Swiss Medikit, it gives mm -hmm. me a lot of joy yeah. doing operational excellence. That's probably also why you are so passionate about this yes. project, because there you can yeah. live your operational 
And it's not always big things you change, you know. Sometimes it's really a bit pedantic because, but this is, uh, yeah, I think making good services even better is is something very nice. Right. And the last one that will be tricky, burn or Zurich? (laughs) (laughs) It's a tough one, no, but I think the burn will... Forgive me, I, uh, the people from Bern, I'm, I'm a very big fan of Zurich. And I think I lived in many places of the world, but I still think Zurich is the most wonderful city. Fair um, point. Yeah, and it's not, uh, Bern is very wonderful as well. But Zurich is a bit more cosmopolitan. Mm. And I, I always think every person should once a year um, go to another continent yeah. to understand that uh, not everything is good how we do it here. And I think you have a little bit more of this international feeling in Zurich. And that's something that you would wish for more Swiss cities? I think it's very important that we are not too narrow-minded yeah. and that we accept positive influence from other cultures and countries. Talk about diversity again, right? Exactly. <laughs> of course, your answer hurts my Bernese heart because I grew up close to Bern, but, but I, love Bern. I can understand <laughs> your choice too. a tough one. <laughs> Katja, thank you so much for taking the time. It was a pleasure and a lot of fun talking to you. Same. And we wish you (laughs) all the best for your board positions and, of course, also for Swiss Medicates. It's a fantastic project. Thanks. And uh, all the best to you as well. You do a very good job in inspiring people. Thank you very much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the content, we would be thrilled to receive your rating on Apple Podcasts. That way you not only support Swisspreneur, but also help other entrepreneurs discovering the show and finding more valuable information on how to run their businesses. Next week, we will already be back with an all new episode of the Swisspreneur Show. So we hope to see you again then for a new episode.